BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There'd be a lot of poop in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> Seen a six foot alligator go swinging through the air and slam into a tree. These guys are the scientists of the supernatural, lecturers leaving lessons for inquiring laymen. They are applying the scientific method to a world that baffles science. They are the cryptids of the corn. But who else has big black wings and red eyes? Um, Batman. Oh, Mothman. Oh, yeah, Mothman. A great white shark was stolen. Oh, someone stole a shark? I got stuff for you you don't even know about. She's a witch. She turned me into a newt. Who knows? Anything could be possible. Anything could be possible. It's really big. Mm-hmm. Abduction vibes. Holy moly. It sounds like you were abducted. And it just stood up. I mean, it just like kept going and going. And she goes, what the... Welcome back to Cryptids of the Corn podcast. Yeet, yeet. I am the great and powerful mystery. And I'm Turtle Man Jay. Yeet, yeet, yeet. And today we will be discussing man-made horrors beyond our comprehension. Man-made what? Horrors. Oh, horrors. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the Midwest accent. Yeah. That word doesn't... No W. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Man, uh, Midwest. Speaking is. It's been a long weekend in the Midwest. I was going to say, you got any news? You've been trying to get out for a month and a half now? Well, yeah, I guess so. I, I was just recently at a uh, class reunion and bumped into Reufian. a... Huh? You Re- said Reufian. Reufian. Uh, class you reunion. your class? Class reunion. That Midwest accent. Well, you pick on through. me for saying stuff. Well, I, yeah, maybe. Maybe so. I guess I deserve it. Uh, but, uh, uh, old classmate... I guess I won't mention his name. I don't know if I... Go uh, ahead. I mean, K- it's his, his name band. Kenzie. Well, his band. He's in a band. And the band's awesome. And I just recently got their CD in the mail and their album, their record. And I didn't realize... I knew he played music, but I didn't realize he was in a band. And their band's pretty awesome. Their name is Lollygagger. So if you guys like... If anyone out there, you know, likes... Uh, Do they have a link? 
Do they have like a website or anything? Yeah, they do. Then I'll, well, I'll put it in the show notes. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Yeah, they're really good. If you like, like fast. Uh, I don't know, like heavy, not heavy metal. It's not, not really my heavy. kind of music, but it's still good music. It's it's almost sounds like eighties, like rock, like heavy, like fast heavy metal music. It's probably which, with all my mental disabilities, it just it's not. It doesn't sit well with me because it's like ah. It's not really like that. Oh, it is for kinda, me but, for my brain. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, but Kinsey is the bass player, and it's that's what makes it. That's what sets it apart. I heard him playing bass my entire childhood. Yeah, didn't he? Wasn't he your neighbor growing yeah. up? Yeah. Uh, I seen the inside of his leg one time. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, see? They flipped a, a it's, like a gator, and it filleted his leg. I remember and the we scar. Were out, oh, we were out in the backyard. So our, our house's backyards face each other across the big field. It's so like me and Kenzie would shoot golf balls back at each other because we both golfed. Yeah. And we could never hit each other's houses, but we could get close enough that we'd go out and collect all the golf balls. Oh, gotcha, yeah. So we'd take turns just, you know, driving them back. That just brought back a memory, too, when Kenzie hurt his leg. I believe we were both... Uh, had recess that day, but we both stayed inside because he couldn't really get around that well yet. And I was sick kind of, so I just didn't want to go outside in the cold. So we both stayed inside while everyone went outside to recess and everyone would leave all their books stacked up on their desk. <laughs> we thought it was so funny. We went in the closet and grabbed like some dodgeballs out of it. And we just chucked them at everyone's books and they went flying all over. And we're like, we didn't do it. So I, that was the first time I ever seen a human bone. <laughs> it, was, it was really weird. It's burnt into my head because it was so clean. Like, it was so against the bone. There was no blood. Oh, my gosh. Which was weird. Yeah. I was expecting, and my dad told us not to look, and I was expecting to see just blood everywhere. And was, I think I was more grossed out just just seeing that there bone. wasn't blood yeah. because it was so cut to the bone. Yeah. Like literally, the white scrape the bone. Yeah, that's crazy. Your skeleton is white. That's right. When nuts. you're in your body, just so everybody knows. All right. So what are we talking about today? Animals being used in technology. Ooh. And I do tie this into the paranormal towards the end. Okay. And I, me and you talked about this topic probably three or four weeks ago, and I doubt you remember. Was it the mushrooms or the... No. So or is it the start, birds? We're going to start with just... I have, I have four examples, I believe, and we're going to dive into that before I connect it to the paranormal. Okay. First one, seeing cancer... With mantis shrimp eyes. Oh, that's right. On the Freaky Fauna episode. Yeah, so, yeah, and this was, I, I had to include it in this because I know only 100 people listen to Freaky Fauna, which for everybody who doesn't know, Freaky Fauna Friday is another podcast me and Jay do where it's about 15 minutes long on average. Every Friday. Every Friday, and we cover a unique animal species. I think, yes, and just dive into that unique so animal. Mantis shrimp was a couple weeks back. So check the link below that's in the show notes. So mantis shrimp, they're trying to, there's two different types types of technology being developed from these guys. If you haven't looked up the mantis shrimp episode, these guys can see in about 11 different colors. Humans have only seen three. Uh, and these guys can also see in infrared and ultraviolet. Yeah. They, so they can see. Their eyes are pretty complex. I believe, I don't remember fully from that episode, but I believe it's 30 or 40% of the light spectrum. These guys can see when we can see about 4%. That's nuts. So if a mantis shrimp staring at the corner of the wall like there's a ghost there, there's probably a ghost there. <laughs> yeah. Just have managed shrimp around, like, yeah, well, they, <laughs> looking like oh. pets. They're hard to keep as pets, but <laughs> anyway, so they're inspiring new cameras to help detect cancer. But uh, these guys can actually see and visualize brain activity, also. That's ins- weird. How do they know that? They can see your electro neuron pulses. How do they know this? Uh, just they have the they have the systems to do it. So these guys, there is one group that's working on designing cameras 
with the just basically trying to design cameras just like these guys' eyes. There's another group that's just taking their eyes oh. and plugging them into computers and using their eyes to do it. And it's working? Yes. Uh, see, now this is the part, like, have we advanced that? Is this good for... No, man-made horrors beyond our comprehension. Yeah. That's why I named this episode Man-Made Horrors Beyond Our Comprehension. Oh, okay. Because this is what... It, they get worse. Oh, my gosh. Okay. This is a softball. Oh, boy. So the University of Queensland has researchers have found that mana shrimp compound eyes are superbly tuned to detect polarizing light, providing a streamlined framework for this technology to mimic is what the Queensland University is working on. UQ, which is the worst name for a university. <laughs> UQ. Yeah. I, I just... For a dyslexic person, it's just not good. Professor Justin Marshall, and it's not me, from a Queensland Brain Institute, uh, said that these tissue, uh, the cancerous tissues reflect polarizing light differently than surrounding healthy tissues. Uh, so humans can't see this, but mantis shrimp can walk up and point and hit it. So they actually first did this by training mantis shrimp. They had people they knew had cancer, and yeah. they had specifically they were using skin cancer. So it punch it punches cancer. No, but it would go to the glass and oh. like hit at the spot where it was different. Oh, okay. So and they were almost one hundred percent accurate. Yeah. Pretty much every time that this person has skin cancer in the nodule, the manager would walk right over and be like, "It's right there." Now it'd be awesome. If it punched it off. Uh, if it hit it, it wouldn't. I mean, <laughs> the cancer would probably be dead, but so you would be losing a large chunk of flesh also. Uh, the object they consists of like a red apple with a green texture, for example, like the internal, the soft spot. It can see that differently from the outside. Okay. So it's really good at detecting differences in tissue consistencies due to this polarizing light it can see. It's like its own, it's like an MRI machine in its eyes. Yeah, oh, it is. Ah. MRI and X ray almost. That's insane. And also, well, like, like I said, infrared. Yeah. It's seeing in so many different wavelengths. That, and they, it's crazy that they look as colorful as they do to us. Yeah. And think that's only three of the primary colors. Imagine, we're seeing yeah. eleven. Imagine what they look like to each other. It's like a psychedelic trip. It's like a kaleidoscope. Oh my gosh! So yeah, so they're developing cameras uh, that closely collaborate with the U.S. and U.K. scientists in Australia that shoot videos that can provide independent feedback on detecting cancer and monitoring the activity of exposed neuron cells. Uh, it consists of invisible messages into color and our visible systems to be uh, more comfortable with. So they're working on having this camera that works through like Amanda Shrimp's eye that puts the image into a color system that humans can see. Right. Uh, they do the same thing with infrared mm -hmm. or a thermal, thermal image. Okay. So gotcha. like in thermal, you know, you see it turns heat right. into visible color. Like the red and yeah. the blues and the greens and the yellows. So our brains can understand. Does it make sense so far? Oh, yeah. So this is the least horrific one on this list. Yeah, but I can see where, like, you're opening Pandora's box here. And like I said, there's two. This this guy specifically, he's working on training live mantis shrimp and then working on making a device that mimics their eyes. Yeah. There's a whole other group that does not publish many studies. Yeah. That is just ripping the eyes off these guys and plugging them into computers. Now, I'm all for the training part of it. Like, that part's awesome. They, they're really good at it. Yeah. Mantis shrimp are highly, uh, in fish tanks and stuff like that, they're really hard to keep, but uh -huh. if you can keep them, they're pretty personable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. I've actually watched this guy sometimes. Uh, he has just one, and he feeds every now and then. But when it first started, he wouldn't come out from under his rock. And now he's like, once a guy comes out, he comes out and is like ready for food, and he has a little personality to him. Oh gosh, it just gets worse and worse. I'm looking at my rest. Yeah. So 
Any questions about these guys? No, I mean, like I said, the only thing I can comment on is I like the idea of training animals to do tasks. You know, like... Like the pigeon bombs. Pigeon... Huh? The pigeon bombs. Bombs? Yeah, in World War II. Oh, yes, yes, yes. They they were the first gyroscopes. Yeah, they were guiding... They were guiding missiles? Yes. Okay. So they would... they were trained to target certain parts of ships. Yeah. Through pecking a square. Yeah. They would reguide the missile to keep on track before the gyroscopes were invented. <laughs> and literally, in the head of this warhead would be a pigeon that's just poking at the spot. <laughs> it's insane. Okay, maybe not to that extent. But they I mean, tried I get it with it. sharks and dolphins too to ram into ships to blow up. Gosh, that's like sharks with freaking laser beams on their like heads. Russia is still using the the, the dolphins. Uh, yeah, the dolphins. Man, that's insane. It's called the ocean's worst prison. Well, okay, so. Using them for uh, acts of war, I don't, I don't go with. I don't like because that's I just, human nature. I don't We're like turn war. Into- but you know, like dogs that sniff out like you know bombs or explosives or that's awesome. Like using animals for tasks that we obviously can't do is, I think, part of nature. That's good. Like they use, they have, uh, you know, the dog sniffers for bombs. They actually have a lot of rats that do it too. Yeah, I've seen them too. And the rats that do it are not heavy enough to set off the bombs. Right, yeah. So they have all this small group of trained rats that'll go through the minefield and they'll sit on top of the bomb. Yeah. So you can navigate through the minefield. Then when you're done, you call them back over because they're not heavy enough to set, set off them anything. Off. Yeah. Now, now they got to just train them to chew through the hot wire and dis- disarm it. Disarm it, yeah. <laughs> so is that your first thoughts on this? Mantis shrimp. Like I like it. It's cool. I don't like the company. I don't like the idea of the company just removing their eyes and then hijacking them and using them as. Yeah, that's like that's, I said. That's where it crossed the line. Like this is the that's the warm up. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Let's go for number two. <laughs> oh gosh. Like I said, these progressively get worse. Wonderful. Robotic stingray made of heart from a rat, algae cells in plastic fins. Oh boy, this is. Yeah, this is like playing God. Oh, this is. Oh, you think this one's bad? Wait till you hear number three. Okay, well, what, no. So what, this is. Scientists what, have built a robotic stingray heart. Uh, robotic stingray made of the heart muscle cells from a rat, uh, a skeleton with gold flake, plastic fins, and light activated algae proteins. Okay, uh, one question though. Why? Literally, what the next line in my uh, my thing is is because why not? That, seriously, I'm not joking. Why not? Was my next line. That's what the scientist or whoever did yeah, this the said. article. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's getting it. Sun Jin Perk led the project, which is described today as in the Journal of Science. He had or he says that tiny 16 millimeter long robots take about a week to make. Most the most time because it takes time to grow the heart tissue to the stingray bolt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Park is a scientist at the Kevin Kitt Parker's lab in Harvard University, which four years ago made this biohybrid jellyfish robot, which, uh, have you ever seen that? Everybody's seen it, this little robotic jellyfish. It's powered by biology. Yeah. Everybody's just like, that's a cool little jellyfish robot. No, it has muscle cells. Right. And it has light receptive cells. They're taking bits and pieces of other animals and making it do work. Hmm. The stingray, though, is a little bit more advanced. How so? Oh, get there. The robotic stingray is propelled forward by its stimulating burst of LED light. So when you flash it, it swims. So basically, I'll give you this short. This thing is a hodgepodge of the animal and plant kingdom. Yeah. It is rat cells that are stimulated to grow to mold into a stingray shape. Its power source and its quote-unquote eyes are actually these big groups of algae Mm -hmm. or algae cells. Uh, It's all one quote-unquote organism 
Because they're working, everything's working together. It's all connected. It's like a uh, cyanophore. Yes, but forced to be together, right? With a lot of electricity. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a. Uh, what's that? What would you call that? Yeah, a cyanophore is cooperation, right? Uh, this is not cooperation. Well, it's forced cooperation. <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're stitched Co- together. Coercion. Like it'd be if me and you were stitched together. It's not cooperation anymore. We have to do this, right? Yeah. Uh, no. So how it works though is the algae cells detect light. And it's yeah. also defeating the muscle cells with simple sugars. So it would swim up towards light. It follows light. So somehow the muscle cells with the limited nerve capacity they have will always follow the light through the algae signals. Okay. So it's like a little living organism. Mm. And it's all it's alive. It's alive. It's just a weird, it's a new type of life. Okay. Synthetic life. Here's what we can do. Let's get it. Let's make us some of these. Now I'm on board. Now because I got an idea. You ready? Well, are you ready? Do you want me to tell you what these were? All right, you go oh, ahead no, first. All right. This is what they should use them for. And yeah, I'll then, tell you what they are using them for. And then you for. tell them, we just get a little tank or, you know, a nice size water can, like the ones you got in your garage. And uh, we, uh, you make a light source that constantly is spinning around it. Mm-hmm. And then this thing will follow it, causing the water inside to swirl, make like a little vortex tornado. And then you got your generator at the bottom, and it's just constantly spinning it. I don't know if they would produce enough energy that the to offset the light. An L- cheap LED light takes no eh, power. Eh, yeah, eh, and there you they go. Start dying. I, there's a lot. These things are probably not the easiest thing to make. Free energy. It's not free. Well, the little things free. are expensive to make. Well, eventually it pays for itself. Uh, there's after a lot of military applications for these. Not shocked. They're the ones that probably came up with it. No, their funding did. The military didn't come up with anything. Wow. Military industrial complex. There you go. There we go. Uh, the military didn't come up with nothing. Just how to make money. Well, yeah. Anyways. They're good at that. So after 2016, this project kind of went quiet. After 2016? Yeah. Okay. And it's still being worked on. You see some of their organic robots uh, due to mostly public backlash for playing God. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's horrific. Uh, one of the thoughts is, though, the big thing with radar systems and sonar systems is they don't pick up organics well anymore. You know, it was a big problem when the radar was or sonar was first invented, is picking up whales and shrimp yeah. and stuff like that. Too, too squishy. It's too sensitive. Yeah. So they right now fine tuned to where it's pretty much just picking up hard bodied objects like metal. Mm-hmm. You know, flesh. It'll pick up a whale just because a whale's so large. Yeah. But they have trouble picking up dolphins and divers and stuff like that. But these giant, you know, destroyer ships and and uh, military ships. Don't aren't too worried about a diver coming up next to them. Right. Because they're moving yeah. so fast and they're in the open ocean. Unless it's solid snake. Yeah. Well, so the idea is to have a whole bunch of these bigger with bombs strapped to them. <laughs> and what you do, and now here's the thing, is you get a little tiny rom- or robotic light that attaches to the ship. Yeah. And these things are trained to follow that light. Uh-huh. And eventually they'll just keep swimming and following it until they crash into it and blow up. Jeez. Now that sounds... Kind of wild. Uh, it's probably already done. Oh, I'm sure. And it makes a whole total sense because the stingrays wouldn't pick up on the sonar. Because they could, because yeah. they they're flesh. Right, yeah. And then the light would be small enough not to be picked up on sonar or with any concern. Okay. Because, you know, we're talking about a light probably the size of a softball and a little propelled thing. Yeah. And it just sticks and then it's like a, you know, it's like an automatic targeting thing. Now imagine these, like right now, we were talking about the ones being made like two foot across with a bomb on their back. Imagine other size of dolphins. How much explosives? Why has everything got to be turned into a weapon of war? Mm. 
So what's your thoughts on this one? I don't like it. Like he's it's like they're playing God. I don't like that. Like obviously. <laughs> that never ends well. Ever. Ever. I promise I'll connect this back to cryptids, everybody. I mean, this this is a cryptid at this point. This creature, I mean, it's it's not I mean, it's not technically alive, but it's an organic mobile uh, so thing. I don't want to call it machine. It's not a machine, it's alive. Yeah. It is an or they call it, them organic robots. It's like a cyborg. Yeah. Organic cyborg and robot, same thing, kind of. That they're not. They're they're built. They're manufactured, is but it, they are built with live parts. Is it a cybernetic organism, living tissue over metal endoskeleton? There you go. Uh, this does have a gold skeleton. See, you know what? You know what movie that's from? Terminator. Okay, good job. Look at you. I, I I've seen. Good. That's a good one. Yes, that's a good sci-fi flick. This next one, you thought that one was bad, so we've had. <sighs> We've had ripping the parts off an animal yeah. to use for technology. We've had making an animal to use for technology. Kinda. It still has plastic and metal in it. Very simple. Now, what have I told you? The world's first living robot can now reproduce. Oh, my gosh. This is Horizon Zero Dawn. The Grey Goop, which we'll do a whole episode on Grey Goop. Oh, I think, yeah, you've mentioned this before. This way down the road. It's on, I think, in December. Hmm. Grey Goop. Gray yeah, I mean, goop, huh? But this is the start of it. The U.S. scientists have created the first living robots, at least the first fully what they would classify as robots. The stingrays were kind of the the big version. These guys are tiny. Okay. Uh, they say these life forms known as exobots, which means just they're really tiny, can now fully reproduce. What, why? Uh, that's not good. And in a way that is not seen at any plants or animals. That's awful. This is against God now. Oh, yeah, it gets worse. This is like devil goop. So, formed from the stem cells of African clawed frogs. What? Xenoplosis lupagius, uh, which is where it takes its name, xenobots, are less than a, you know, they, these guys are less than a millimeter long, which is 0.04 inches wide. These tiny blobs were first unveiled in 2020 after experiments showed that they could move, work together in groups, and self-heal. Oh, boy. This is... This is Terminator, the T-1000 from Terminator 2. Oh, this is much worse. Much worse than him? Yes. He was the ultimate killing machine. Uh, no, these things are tiny. You can't do anything about them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but when they turn, uh, what's the actor's name? I can't remember. When they turn to him and he's chasing you down in the car and he's shoving metal blades through your windshield. Yeah, except that this thing's eating your DNA and ripping you apart and turning you into goop also. So it's doing the same thing, but at a microscopic level? Yeah, but... On a global whole. Like, there's not... Uh, anyways, we'll get there. Burn it. Yeah, good luck. They're Burn it all. Burn it all. Melt it. <laughs> Excuse me. No, you just you need, made some, me snort. need some thermite like they did at the... Uh, yeah, they'll eat that. Uh, now the scientists that have developed this at the University of Vermont, Taft's University and Harvard's University Institute for Biology, inspire the engineering said that they have discovered an entirely new form of biological reproduction d different from any other form in known to science. It, <laughs> I just love this quote. I was astonished by it, says Michael Living, which is the professor of biology and the director of the Allen Discovery Center at Taft University. So you see this your robot you made, this fully organic robot you made out of stem cells. And you look at it and through it a microscope. And it starts reproducing. And we see everything splitting and I splitting. I was astonished. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. I, you know me, gasoline. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine, I can see you looking I, through a microscope. I'd be like, wow. Pull away from the microscope, slide your chair back. Burn it all. And <laughs> all right. So frogs have a way of reproducing as normal, but uh, when you liberate the cells to form the rest of the embryo, you give them a chance to figure out how a new or how to react to this new environment. Not only do they figure out a way, the new ways to move, but they also figure out apparently new ways to reproduce. So what he's saying is that they're basically st- this robot is made out of like a frog stem cell, mm-hmm. so uh, half of an egg. So when you liberate it from the confinements of its biology, it starts doing stuff that it's never been seen before, which is a testament to life. Life finds a way. Life will uh, to occupy every niche to yeah. the best of its ability. The problem is, is you're now supering up. Like, you're jacking it up. Well, you're creating scenarios where life doesn't need to exist. So stem cells are unspecialized cells that have the ability to develop into different types of cells. To make these xenobots, the researchers scrape living stem cells from the frog's embryos and left them to incubate. Gosh, there's no manipulation of the genes involved, quote unquote. No, other than them liberating it from its no, intent. They're, they're manipulating these genes. I don't. I don't believe them. Oh, I 100 believe that too. Uh, most people think these robots are made out of metal and ceramics, but it's not so much that what a robot is made of; it's more what it does, and which an act on its own behalf of people, or even acts on its own behalf or on people's behalf. It's kind of the big difference between a robot and organ or a living animal. Yeah. So that's what they're calling this a robot is because. It's doing what we tell it to do for now. Yeah, exactly, for now. We didn't tell it to reproduce, and it did that. <laughs> Who knows? Anything could be possible. So in the way that it's a robot, but it's also clearly an organism made from genetically unmodified frog cells. They really, during the whole article, they stress, that. stress the unmodified. Because hmm. it's illegal to do that here yeah. in the U.S. Yeah. And they probably did it, and they're like, oh, we now have a problem. Yeah. We did illegal stuff and it worked really good. So, uh, uh, no, they're, they're unmodified. So, the, one of the scientists, Bongard, says he found that the xenobots, which were initially sphere in shape, made of around 3,000 cells, could start replicating. But it happens rarely and only in very specific circumstances, quote unquote. The exobots use kinetic replication as a process which knows to occur on a molecular level, but has never been observed before at a scale of whole cells of organisms. The scientist says, which will help the art or with the help of artificial intelligence, the researchers have tested billions of body shapes to make the exobots more effective at their type of application. The supercomputer came up with a C shaped that resembles Pac Man because it does what Pac Man does, it just eats everything. Oh, my. So Pac Man was, they knew it was soft disclosure. They found it was able to find tiny stem cells in a petri dish, gather hundreds of them inside its quote unquote mouth. And after a few days, the bundles of cells, it would spit out a new Xenobot. Let me guess. They fed it like fruit, bananas, strawberries, and so little dots. It was gathering up in loose cells. That's what it was. So the dots in Pac-Man are loose cells. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not, yeah. And then, and then every it now would, and then they- It would fill up its mouth with them, and then it would spit out another version of itself. And every now and then, they sneak in a piece of fruit. Mm-hmm. So the only way to destroy these things are through ghosts? Oh, I found your paranormal connection. Did you? Sorry, I ruined it. Uh, So the AI didn't program these machines in the way that we usually think about writing code. The shape and sculpture came up with the Pac-Man shape. Uh, The shape, in in essence, the program, the shape influenced how the Xenobots behaved to amplify this incredibly surprising process. 
man, why why are we? This okay. isn't the worst one on the list. I know, but all this stuff that's involved, you know, self-replicating nanobots that we're creating, um, con- designed by AI. This is just like <laughs> the nanobots are also very early forms of technology. Think of them as a 1940s computer, and they don't have any particular applications yet. Yet. However, the combining of this molecular biology and artificial intelligence could potentially be used to host of all kinds of tasks in our bodies and the environment. Yeah, I'm not a fan of According that. According to researchers, many of these things include collaborating with microplastics in the ocean, like starting to eat them, collecting them. Now, that would be neat. We already have organisms that do that. And yeah. it, it makes me mad. Oh, okay. Uh because we there are yeah, there are there algae and stuff yes, that yeah. they love eating plastic. Yeah. That we can that we can propagate and they would love it. Wow. They're good at eating plastic. They want plastic. Sea urchins, for example, a lot of those species love eating plastic. Now, and they're good at digesting it and breaking it back down into simple carbons. Now, how can we harness that power and use it for energy like to power our homes? You just start burning sea urchins. Burning them? After they eat all the plastic. Yeah, okay. It's like a coal-fired house. It's yeah. sea urchin fire. Just, just pull them out of the tank, toss anyways. them in the furnace. So collecting uh, microplastics is the big one. Uh, inspecting root systems and regenerative medicine. So those are three different types of things. Hmm. Inspecting so, root systems? Is it plants and stuff like that. Yeah. So you, anyways, we'll, we'll dissect that here in a second. Okay. Uh, Why the prospect of self-replicating biotechnology could spark concern, the researchers said that these living machines are entirely contained in their lab setting and easily extinguished. As they are biodegradable and regularly uh, are examined by ethics experts. Okay. Oh, I'm sure. Ethics experts. The researchers was partially funded. You will never guess by who. DuPont. The Defense Advancement Research Program Agency. Is that our defense, like a, yes, a military it's the industrial complex? Yes, it's the military industrial complex. Oh, yeah. Hey, funny. Isn't that funny? I mean, yes and no. They're talking about all this medical stuff they're going to do with it, and you look at who the funding's from. It's from the Defense Advancement Research Program Agency. Gosh. A federal agency that oversees the development of technologies for? Our defense. Military use. Oh, wow. Yeah. Defense budget. There hey, are, this is your tax dollars are going to pay for this. There are many things that could we possibly take advantage of this kind of plasticity and ability of these cells to solve problems. The study is published in peer-reviewed and scientific journal, uh, you know, uh, last year. Let's talk about this. These are self-replicating cells. Yep. These are a living organism now that has never been seen, even though genetically, quote-unquote, they are still these frogs. <laughs> <laughs> these are frogs. I forgot. Yeah. These are frogs. These yeah. are African clawed frogs. The ones you buy at the store. It's ridiculous. These little fish tank frogs you get? Yeah. It's them. That's insane. They're going to kill us all. Yeah. It's like the cane toads they released in Hawaii. It's always been frogs. It's always, yeah. <laughs> frogs. It's, everything paranormal is a mushroom. Everything out to kill us is a frog. Mm. If you look throughout biological history, it's always just been a big frog frogs. sitting in the background. Yep. Every mass extinction. Just a frog sitting there. You know who else? Watching the word burn. You know who else predicted that? Hmm. Futurama. Yeah, the hypnotope. Oh my oh, gosh. Right. So let's break down what these things actually do. They're tiny. And we were talking, these are cells, so they're not right. like cell size. They're multiple up to 3,000 cells. They're still microscopic, right? Yeah, and they eat other cells. As far as we know, publicly, they've only eaten other frog cells to make more members of their cell. Hmm. This is a form of biological reproduction that has never been seen in nature. What, they consume? Never. Consume and then 
repurpose. But when you look at some cyanophores, like you've already mentioned one time in this episode, uh, and some stuff like uh, sea hares and sea slugs and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. they eat other animal cells and reincorporate them into their bodies. Oh, yeah, like the the, uh, the, uh, ironclad snail. Yeah. Well, no, I'm talking more about the blue sea dragon, like the big, because oh, okay. they're eating jellyfish stingers. Oh, that's right. Other yeah. biological life. Oh, okay, yeah. And taking their cells and reincorporating them in. That's right. That's dead matter reincorporating it in. Okay. So a little different. So we know that animals have done this in the past where they'll they'll take other animal cells. So this one is within own species, but I don't think they, they've either done it and not made it public or they just never tested it. I think they can do it. Of course they've tested yeah. it. They've tested They test everything. So let's talk about what they say are some of the amazing uh, things that this could be used for. First one is my collecting microplastics in the ocean. Like I said, there is a fungus, there is a bacteria, and there is an animal that we could breed does in this. mass yeah. and just feed them all of our plastic, and they would be happy. There's got to be some sort of like, you know, like those bio reactor things where you put like biomass into like a generate and you know mm-hmm. generates power there's got to be like an algae one where you can just fill this tank up with that algae and then you just dump all your plastic waste into it and that somehow that's got to produce some sort of i'm i it's all about cost reward you right know, yeah space right i think and then it, most of the animals we have right now they're doing this and fungus and bacteria are pretty slow at it mm, so okay. i think this would be a component for some genetic modification to make them eat plastic a little faster hmm uh, but then it's scary because it's like, oh, the world's built on plastic, and they're just going to eat everything. That's fine. Let's go back to stone, like the way Let's things go back to stone. The way things should be built. The next one is inspecting plant root systems. So we're talking about environmental health, like the funguses and stuff that are attacking plant root systems. These guys could be like an antibody. These are your immune system. Hmm. Uh, they are programmable. So if you want healthier crops, you just you know. Have the crops have these guys, and they fight off. It's like an animal immune system in a plant. Well, here's my uh, pushback on that one. Oh, I didn't say any of these are good. Yeah, I don't think this is a bad. I think that's horrible, Dave, because I, I can only imagine this thing is going to kind of incorporate itself into the plant at some point, and whatever uh, uh, fruit of the plant, you know, whatever part you eat, you're going to be eating this as well. Now it's going to be inside They're of you. Eating these, and then you're going to you're going to wake up one day with a gray goop pile in your bed. You are the great goop. Exactly. All right. All from eating that, uh, I don't know, cucumber. The next one is regenerative medicine. Okay. Uh, So some of the, like, they're already talking about genetically programming these guys to target cancer cells, for example. Yeah. And they just eat the cancer. That'd be nice. So you have them in your body, uh, and they'll just, they'll attack cancer cells. And then once they're done, they either starve to death or die. Mm -hmm. Because my thing is, life keeps evolving. Yeah. And once they're out of cancer cells, they're, yeah, you better have a serum that kills these things. <laughs> exactly. And again, that's a great push. Because if they're already <gasps> eating me. cells, right? What's once they're hungry, they're gonna eat. Yeah. So long as you, I think for that one, long as you had a serum that you know kills them. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's not the, not your body. You know? the only way. Yeah, that but, kills it, not you. But there are some, and like talking about like liver regeneration and stuff, because they're stem cells. They're goop. Yeah. Like they're they're the building prints of life. So if you have like extensive liver damage or kidney damage or whatever, these do have the medical properties to go into your body and Star Trek fix them. Yeah. Or you take a pill and you grow a third kidney or whatever, you know, these have the ability or could have the ability could, yeah. to do that. That's just my, only, my pushback to that is like what you just said. 
once it's done eating whatever it wants to eat, and it's gonna it's gonna jump. You have else. to. You would have to incorporate a lot of control, like a, a kill switch on it. Yeah, like they did with Jurassic Park. That didn't work. Yeah, exactly. Lysrazine. What? Oh, what if? Nah, never mind. I say like an EMP pulse, but that it it's part, not good for you. Yeah, exactly. You are electricity. Yeah. A lot of people kind of forget that <laughs> that you are electrical impulses piloting a meat suit. I just like how they're they're creating these sorts of technologies to. Oh, combat cancer. Why not just figure out what causes cancer? Oh, yeah, all these chemicals you're yeah. creating in the first place. It's I, a big loop. I want to bring it back to who funded this. Yes. The, and who's the secret funder for all these projects? Okay. <laughs> oh, my Because I guess is his name. The Defensive Advanced Research Proje- Projects Agency, which oversees any developments of technology for military use. Hmm. Yeah, And who's this entity? I mean, I'm just saying, like, just, I mean, it's the industrial military complex, right? No, I, what I'm saying is nobody uh, voted these people in. No, they're not real. Like, they're yeah. not. A th- they're they're their own thing. Mm-hmm. So the military uses for this. Literally, these guys are small enough to start breaking apart your DNA and start like breaking like it's yeah. a disease. It's a programmable disease. Wait until the military like tests it on its own our own population. There's also like, like mind control and just. Like paralyzing people and yeah, because it can get into if it gets into your brain, they can con- program to do whatever, mm-hmm. like manipulate your the way your brain f- functions. Also, it could just start eating you, and that too, yeah. It literally just start eating you and turning you into fuel sources. You ever heard of the eater robot? Yeah. Oh yeah. So for everybody at home, that is a military robot that feeds off of corpses of fallen to power itself. And no, it's supposed to be animal. Animals that have. It, no organic matter. Yeah, is all organic matter, not it's people. The size no of a way. human. The no. box is the size of a person. No, it's not meant for human beings. Like dead bodies on the from some war that they uh, fabricated to start in the first place and kill a bunch of innocent people and make them, uh, you know, fight for a cause that they created in the first place. No, it's not meant for sweep them up their bodies and <laughs> composting them. No, it's for animals that are animals. you know. And plants and trees, you know, that uh, just we, so happen to get in the way of all these bombs we're dropping. And then we run out of bombs to drop because we, have we dropped so many. Cover. I know. I'm sorry. I just, I can go on and on and on. There's the, we keep getting worse. All right. What's the next? Are we well, ready for the next We're actually going to take an ad break. Ooh. First time I've remembered in a month and a half. Good job. Let me uh, get that pulled up while you're talking. I don't know which one this is, but we'll be back after this short ad break. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys, we're back. Hopefully you enjoyed that ad. It's nice and spooky. Yeah. All right, what's next? Oh god. On the docket. We we did uh we did we started off with uh what was the first one now? I can't remember. Uh, I remember Mana shrimp eyes being yeah, ripped off them and plugged into computers. Mana shrimp, then we got our biological or man made our rats, stingrays. Our rat's heart and algae being forced to become a stingray, stingray. and carry bombs. And then we got the gray group that'll goop that'll eat everything and, and there's I'm sure there's tons of other like there's military like uh 
there's one people talking about them eating wires and stuff like that. And like, Gosh. so you could dump these over a country and never have to fight them. Yeah, they would literally just eat the infrastructure of a country. Country, go back to stone. Let's build things with stone. Except they're eating the people too. Right, that's why they built those underground cities because they were dropping this gray goop on them back in the day. It'd be like dust. Yeah. Dust in the wind. You imagine just seeing this this bomber jet. You're thinking it's going to kill you, everybody, and just dust falls out. And you're like, oh, we're fine. And then telephone poles and stuff start falling. And your eyeball like, uh, balls just melting out. Yeah. Like, you just got goop pouring out of your ears and eyes because it's your brain. All right. The next one. Inside the lab that has grown a mushroom computer. Ooh, okay. This is not good. Grown a mushroom computer. Mm-hmm. Okay. The lead researcher says he is planning on making... A brain from mushrooms. Oh, boy. A human brain? No. An- a supercomputer. Okay. I'll tell you who's fun in this one later, too. Defense. No. Department of Defense. All right. So upon first glance, this unconventional computer laboratory looks like a regular workspace. The computers and scientific instruments leaning and cleaning, uh, smooth countertops and such. But once you look closely, the anomalies start appearing. A series of videos shared by Pop Science shows a weird quirk of this research. On one top of the cluttered desk, there's a large plastic container with electrodes sticking out of a foam-like substance and a massive motherboard with tiny oyster mushrooms growing on top of it. No, this lab isn't trying to recreate the scenes from The Last of Us. The game, right? Yeah. Well, it's it's a TV show now. Like, oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, which is always funny to me that they have to literally like, no, it's not from the last of us, don't worry. Right, yeah. We're just making computers out of mushrooms. It was founded in 2001. Oh, that's a long time ago. So uh, this was way yeah, before Yeah, but this article came out this year. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, and it's very advanced. With the belief that these computers are coming out of the century will be made out of chemicals or living systems or what's quote-unquote called wetware, they are going to work in harmony with hardware and software. Why integrating these complex and dynamic systems and system architectures into computer infrastructure could, in theory, allow information to be processed and analyzed in new and incredibly fast ways. Mm -hmm. So like we talked about on the show before, you know, mushrooms are able to transfer data faster than any electronic system. And we really don't know how they do it. They're just, they're just, well, many, many, many years. Yeah. Is that a lot of science knows the end result. Okay. Not how stuff is done. So we can make mushrooms do this. We don't know how they're doing it, but we can put them in a box. And they can do it. And they can do it. All right. And it's definitely an idea that has gained a lot of ground recently, seeing that the experimental biologically based algorithm and prototypes of microbe sensors and kombucha circuit boards. Ooh, kombucha. Mm-hmm. In other words, they're trying to see if mushrooms can carry out computing and sensing functions. Okay. Yeah, it's not good. While fungal computers, mycelia, and brain are branching web-like root systems that fungus have, act as conductors as well as the electronic components of the computer. Remember, mushrooms are the only the fruiting bodies of the fungus. You right. know, we're talking about the whole caboodle. The mycelia networks. The mycelia neural networks. And what's the... I forget the part in the inside of the mycelia. Hyphae. Hyphae, that's it. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so our or mycelia that colonizes the substrate that allows them, and they kind of look like white powder, most people think, or the white little hairs. hairs. Uh, yeah, so then we, ins- so basically this, uh, 
West of England and Bristol UK University, com, uh, working with a couple other universities. Then we insert the electrodes to record the electronic activity of the mycelia. So through the stimulation, they become electronically active, and we get a response. He noted that the UK's only wet lab, one of these chemical liquid and biological matter is present in the Department of Computer Sciences. The classifi this classified computer today sees problems as binary. Like, that's what classical computers today see them as. Right. They only use zeros and ones to represent traditional approaches to these device systems. So that's kind of the limitations of modern day, even supercomputers. Modern right. day supercomputers. Still, it's all zero, Zeros and ones. Zero, mm -hmm. zero, one, one, zero, zero, one, one. Like that clutch song. One, zero. zero. However. What? Uh, more dynamic. The real uh, mushrooms are. Real world cannot always. Or so. More dynamic the real world is that these computers can't always capture these systems properly. This is the reason why researchers are working on technologies like quantum computers, which can better simulate molecules and living brain cell chips. Like that Neuralink. No, like they're taking the growing human brain cells. Oh, gosh. And putting them in computer chips. Oh, gosh. Because they're better at understanding the world because it's a human. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which better mimic, you know, neural networks. Because they can represent and process information in much more different ways, they utilize a series of complex multidimensional functions and provide a more precise calculations for certain problems. Already science have known that mushrooms stay connected with their environment and other organisms around them using a kind of quote-unquote internet communication. You may have heard this referred to as the wood wide web. Mm, we talked yes. about that before. Yes, we have. By deciphering the language of fungi to use as sending signals through this biological network, Scientists might be able to not only get insights about the state of underground ecosystems, but also tap into and improve their own information systems. Mushroom computers could offer some benefits for more than more uh, conventional computers, although they can't even match the speeds of today's quote-unquote modern machines. This is uh, no fault of their talents, though. They can self-regenerate, grow, and reconfigure to be better at processing current data positions. Just like a brain with good habits. Yes. Before, uh, before stumbling upon mushrooms, these worked with slime mold computers. Yes, this involves using slime molds to carry out computing problems. From 2006 to 2016, Firoium, a slime mold that is called scientifically an amoeba-like creature that spreads in mass uh, across space. So there are types of slime molds that are fungus and there are types of slime molds that are animals. Okay. Slime molds is like a catch-all term for goop. Oh, Living I didn't know goop. that. Okay. We've talked about both on the show. Right. Slime molds are quote-unquote intelligent, which means they can figure out ways to avoid problems finding their shortest path through a maze uh, without programming, given the exact instructions or parameters about what they do. Yet they can be controlled, as well as through different types of stimuli. They use the stimulated log gates which is a building blocks of circuits and electrons. So they, they have a system. They can let the slime mold do what it wants, mm -hmm. or they can make it do what they want. Gotcha. Okay. So it's both are capable. You keeping with me so far? Yeah, it's just like the uh, like we talked about on the show before, where, where Japan redesigned their subway system using mm -hmm. slime mold, which is, if you, if, you don't, if you haven't seen that, just look that up or Google it. Look it up on YouTube. Japan slime mold subway system. Pretty interesting. It's pretty cool. So much of the work of these slime molds is done as known by steerer trees or spanning trees, problems of importance in network design that's solved by using the Pathfinder organization algorithm. With slime molds, we uh, intimidate or we uh, we mimic 
this pathway in roads. We even published a book called Bioevolution, which is a road transporting network, says the scientist. Also, we have solved many problems with computation geometry, also using slime molds to control robots. Mm. They gave slime molds a real little robotic body to do stuff. Wow. Pretty soon that's going to be like in all the Amazon factories or... Well, think about like futuristic robots. How many times do you see a brain sitting in a robot controlling it? Oh, yeah. What if you could just make a better brain? uh, Yeah, that's called the end of the world. What if fungus is mad at us and they're just letting this happen until they get the robot bodies? Maybe they would turn on the... uh, the the uh, you know the elite the we'll people running the world that would be a when great they had, ending. They had this uh, slime mold project wrapped up. They wondered if anything else could be more interesting than this, and they found mushrooms. An organism that's both similar and wildly different from, from this this slime mold. We found actually that the mushrooms produce action potential like spikes. They seem spikes in neuron production. So this is what we've talked about before that mushrooms in the human brain are extremely similar. They're different in how they're coded and how they behave. Mm-hmm. But when you have these little, like the brain scanners hooked up to them, yeah. they mimic human brains. They're very simple. They're intelligent, in our opinion. Yeah, sentient. In perhaps. the brain, you, they use neuron spikes to activate and communicate patterns and signal networks. And they properly has been mimicked by artificial neuron networks. Mycelia does something similar. It means that researchers can use the presence and abs- absence of spikes from zero to ones they code console of various gates seeing the computer program language. So they have developed a system that allows the mycelia, the compu- the mushroom, to communicate with the computer system. Gotcha. Not good. No, no, not at all. Taps into our world, world wide web. Yeah. Yeah. And they're already really good at it. So Pretty now sure. we're, we built the little gate. You have, yeah. So they can access it. Oh, yeah. This is ours. It's like, we this can't communicate strange- with mushrooms, but here's your gateway to the internet. Yeah, here's their, Have fun. their Stranger Things moment. Oh, it's way worse than Stranger Things. That was just taking over bodies. This is a mushroom taking over a fighter jet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, they found when they connected these two separate points of both mycelia and the neural networks of these computers, they both increased speed. They both communicated faster. They both became more reliable allowing memories to be established. This is how brain cells work in our brains. So they found out that it improved the memory space of the mushrooms. That's kind of nuts. It's not good. No. Well, just give it some... uh, They probably have only forgiven us because they forget. Now they'll just start sneaking. Now they remember. They'll start sneaking at marijuana to kill its brain cells. There you go. To make a short-term memory loss. So uh, mycelia with different... Geo or geometries can compute different logical functions. They can map with using circuit based with electrical responses and receive it. Uh, if you send an electron, they will spike. He says it's possible to implement this neural sur- neurographic circuitry. We can say I'm planning on making a brain out of mushrooms. Is his last quote. So, in the end, they have made a computer system that is integrated heavily with many species of mushroom. Yeah. And through the end of this study, you guys can look this up. I gave you the name of the study at the beginning. They found that both speeds of the computer, the traditional hardware, mm-hmm. and the wetware of the mushrooms have became smarter. They became faster. More efficient. And they became more efficient, and they became to store more data. Yeah, that's nuts. Because what mushrooms are better at than technology is rewriting their pathways to be better. They're running a thousand different... They're like a computer. We've talked mm-hmm. about that before. They're like halfway between us and a computer. Right, yeah. So now that they're accessing the computers, 
they're it's just like advancing it's op- their biology it's, very fast. Yeah, opens up a new well gateway, a door, like we already said. Oh, to a whole new world. Holy a whole new place. So what do you think about fungi. this? I think it's insane. Uh, that's insane. It's funny that you said weed earlier, because that's what they're feeding this, the mushrooms and hemp shavings. Oh, that's hemp. That's different. I know. It's in the marijuana family, though. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but they're feeding it hemp shavings. That's I just probably that making funny. it stronger. But just it's like a wood, it's a wood pulp shaving that they can eat. Yeah. Oh, nice. I see, hemp's a very, well, we already know why it's an underutilized plant, because it has so many good uses. As far as like textiles and just uh, the whole plant, never mind. So, what do you think of this mushroom computer? Um, I mean, it's honestly, it's kind of cool, but it's pretty scary, like to think especially, of what it could do. Especially when you think about what we've talked about, mushrooms actually have capabilities. So, this is the understanding that mushrooms are going into the study. Mushrooms are very simple and easy to mani- manipulate. Yeah, which we don't think they are. Hmm. We think, at least personally, I think they are hyper intelligent beings. They're allowing. To be manipulated so it can... They may not fully... You know, they can't interact with the world like we interact with the world. Yeah. But this may give them the capability to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's... What if it connects, like, you know, a bunch of mushroom-like networks and then that are in the ground already? You know that missing fighter jet from North Carolina was hijacked by a mushroom? A mushroom, yeah. And then it, it crashed itself so it could feed its family on, that's on living bombs. underground. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. That's what's going on. Mystery solved. You heard it here first. The cryptids of the corn. Now, I've done this whole episode specifically to show everybody that it is nothing for specifically science, but more in tow the government, which was also funding this last project. Not shocked. Uh, the government has funded all four of these. That was the fourth one? Yeah. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Dang. The government's funded all four of these, at least partially. <sighs> The little microbots is the most funded one that has the well, biggest connection. Wait, wait, wait. Let's reel that back. The government's funded them. That means we've funded it. Yeah. So, so you- I've done this whole episode to show you that using animals, fungus, plants for military applications has been around forever. Mm-hmm. They're not above ripping parts off of this or hijacking whole biological systems for their benefit. Right, yep. So let's get to the paranormal. I know it's going to be a long episode. What's the paranormal side of this? I think that they have done this with atmospheric creatures. Ah. I oh. think they've hijacked them. They're either ripping chunks off them to use as propulsion. Yeah. Or they're using, they're manipulating the whole creature. Or do you think they, uh, just like that, the the rat, uh, whatever, manta ray, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. Maybe they're creating the same type of things to put up into the atmosphere. So we'll that are solar we'll, power. Let's cover that differently because I have a whole big list of stuff that okay. I wrote. Okay. First one is I, how did they get these things? They either caught eggs or young of these guys, and they figured out how to manipulate or drive them or train them. Okay. Uh, we've talked about you know that we've talked about breeding programs of these little guys or the breeding areas of these little guys. Like we talked about the ones in like Peru, the yeah. little manta rays that eating meat on the coast. Yeah. Line. Yeah. Uh, so, and then even in California, they've been seen these yeah. little manta ray shaped creatures. Uh, so what if they caught young of these and they figured out that they could either train them, manipulate them or whatever. It's like how to train your dragon. Yeah. Literally quote, unquote, last week's episode, the dragons are organic UFOs. Mm-hmm. It's all one. Got really mixed opinions on that one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh well. It's, yeah, it was fun though. Yeah. This could explain why we're seeing 
at UFOs that seem to be organic but are doing very strange things, like interacting with nuclear power plants and messing with airports. So they're so they're creating these they're or manipulating these things too. Yeah. So let's just screw with our enemies. Yeah. Okay. And we we know the government is not above testing on other branches of the government. No, they do it all the time. Or testing on human beings. Mm-hmm. This would also could point to why the MIB or similar uh, entities come in right after or right before a UFO sighting of this type. They're checking on how people see them and what they describe them as. Mm, okay, to see if they're if they're flying in under the radar yes. as like. Or UFOs, yeah. or, yeah. Not this biological organic creature that we created. I personally started thinking after doing this episode that the silent black helicopters, specifically, that the government's been employing, mm-hmm. may be, quote-unquote, saddled-up versions of organic UFOs. Hmm. That they are, high, like, they have these outer military casings. Like, they have, like, the saddles are actually like a, like a, a helicopter frame yeah. that's on top of them. And they are being forced to pilot, you know, they're being forced to do this. Or they're ripping chunks off yeah, them. I was going to say The biological that. parts that allow them to fly yeah. and just strapping them to a helicopter. Or shoot, they might even be using these uh, neural mushroom networks and just hijacking their brain and just... I think they may, like we talked about, they may be mushrooms. They may be neural mushroom networks. Yeah, so already. reverse engineer it the other way, yeah. we know what computer systems we can use to hijack them. Yeah, it's like hacking nature. I think that some of the governments... UFOs that they have are living creatures. And we talked about Bob Lazar talking about it seemed like if you want to believe Bob or not, whatever. I don't know my opinions fully, but if you want to believe him, they flew in a way that he couldn't understand, like rationally doesn't make any sense. Yeah. They had radio. So he said it was a gravitational engine, but what bothered him the most is they were radioing the pilot inside. Okay, gotcha. That would be impossible if it was a gravitational engine. Shouldn't shouldn't be able to break through that. Well, it's not a gravitational engine. Mm. It was a high-pressured air engine or a compressed gas engine of a living creature. And it's just, look, that's what they told him. You know, it's a gravitational engine. Yeah. What if, because Bob described everything being one piece. Right, yeah, it was all one. Like, everything, the doors, the, the, the there was no panels, there was no buttons. And it was all seemed to be, if it was controlled by anything, it'd be just by, like, the user's mind yeah. or something. Or it's a guy with a remote control because they're chipping the stupid thing's brain, and they're piloting them. Like Neuralink. Yeah. They neuralink to these creatures. We, I think the U.S. government or world governments are using some of these organic UFOs. They've caught them. They've manipulated them. They are at least they rip pieces off them Yeah. to use as technology for flying. And you can't rule it out because you know they'll do anything. Look, oh. at the, look at the stuff we just named they're mm-hmm. doing. So what do you think about that? I just, I, well, I think that's – I just said it. <laughs> I think I just said what I think about it. You can't rule it out. Um, but it would – and then you just really can't rule it out because it's just messed up. And they like, seems like nowadays, they just like doing like really messed up and, and immoral, in, in my opinion, things. So in the early days, I think some of the UFOs they shot down. Yeah. Because that's always the question is, well, if these are such advanced beings from other planets and other dimensions, how could the U.S. government shoot them down and blah, blah, blah? Because they probably weren't. At least some of the ones they shot down, like the Aurora UFO that crashed into... They're described as a big balloon-like thing mm-hmm. that destroyed a, the judge's windmill and all this stuff. And, like, the county judge, it was in his front yard. Yeah. May have been a living creature. Right. And the big chunks of stinking flesh, like Roswell being described, may have been the organs. 
so spewed out in the desert. Like, yeah, he hit the ground. It busted. Yeah. Ooh. Like you know, a, like a, but they have hard, like we've talked about, they have some of these have hard outer shells right, yep. that would resemble that memory metal. Like the uh, silver uh, The silver disc. Disc the, the shapes. Gi- the gargantuan gliders. These. On top of the mesa. Yeah. That, yeah. So what if all of that is that we well, started recreating? Now to your thing you said earlier, now they are making their own. Mm. Now they are using, especially in the 90s, I think is when that maybe have started, that they are making their own UFOs with organic tissue. So they're growing their own UFOs. And they, you know, they, we got CRISPR now. We got all sorts of other things. A lot to more help. genetic modifications. Yeah. To help build or build, in quotes, create whatever exactly they want if these things are so, yeah. actual creatures. This whole episode is put around that's showing you the government will do it. Oh, for sure. Scientists will integrate technology with life. Mm-hmm. So what if the private sector has already been doing it forever? I wouldn't be shocked. And we have some of these UFOs. That's why the men in black, the government specifically men in black, were so obsessed of finding these, especially in the 70s. They were always asking about the nitrates. That's right, yeah. They were, And then they stopped. The men in black after that stopped asking about it, probably because they got the specimens they needed. Yeah. They didn't need any more of that type of UFO. I think the UFO phenomenon is a humongous hodgepodge of things. For sure. What are your thoughts? Uh, Don't yell. Sorry. Sorry. I just, I mean, with the government being involved, you can't rule any of this stuff out. Like, they're, we've already seen it with the stingray thing we were talking about. They can make creatures, they can create their own creatures, which is scary enough. And then you add in, they've already been working on neural networks, like new brains they're creating. And that, uh, it just, it's it's got to be possible. It's got to be possible that they can do it. And if they can, they probably are. That's how I kind of fall on it. Now, I I say for the very end, a possible UFO, uh, organic UFO sighting. Okay. That is a little odd as far as what I normally classify as an organic UFO sighting because it's not behaving very much like an animal. Not not very organic. But it was, well, we'll just get into it. You want me to do the sighting? Sure. Okay. The sighting occurred in September 10th, 1976, shortly before the AM at a farm outside of Colsa, California. Bill Paca was the name of the guy, like Alpaca. Uh, he was awakened and watched television that morning. His viewing was interrupted when he began to hear some kind of, or there began to be some kind of interference, followed by his TV then turning off completely. So how many of these UFO encounters do you hear where electronics mess up? Right. Or often, yeah, or they ever shut off, or you get interference. Mm-hmm. What if this is an organic UFO and it has basically a radio tower inserted into its brain so it can be controlled remotely? Right, it could even have like a like that Tesla technology where things like uh, what's it right, it resonates at the same frequency mm-hmm. as something else, so it could be radio controlled by in that way. Or so just, what if this is the early drones? And it's putting out like an electromagnetic frequency that yeah. throws off electronics. So his viewing was interrupted. So moments later, his air conditioner also quit running. Led Paca uh, to think that the circuit might, uh, the circuit breaker might have blown. That's what I would think. As Paca went outside and headed in the direction of the breaker, he began to notice his hair was standing up on end. As though some source of high voltage electricity could be felt nearby. This concerned Paca, since he has now suspected that there might be a faulty cabling to be to blame. So he's worried now there's a big electric cable laying somewhere yeah. that's like shooting off electricity into the ground. Uh, presenting the potential electronically or electro, uh, electrocution hazard, it also began at the time 
something in the sky a short distance away caught Packa's attention. Oh, boy. I glared at the object and seen it was a big object. Uh, I saw that these ob- this ob- or that these objects hanging down from it, they were cable-like fixtures hanging down below it. We're getting jellyfish. So it's a big central body yeah. with cables, or what I call it in the story, tentacles. Tendrils. The main body of the craft was disc-shaped, which, uh, which appeared to be rotating clockwise orientation, with a large dome that remained stationary on top. The object made little or no sound. It was silver or gray in color, except for the very bottom of the craft, which could be described as having a porcelain look to it. Light could be seen um, uh, coming from below the craft. The object appeared to be hovering directly above the television station antenna at the top of the telephone pole nearby, where Pick has uh, presumed caused the power disturbance in his home a few moments late earlier. Perker described this weird aircraft sounding more like something from World of the, or War of the Worlds rather than normal traditional UFO literature. As, it, as he watched it, Pegasus said, these tentacle-like things went up with these lights came out of the saucer-like thing. And these big lights came out from which the shaft of the lights of the two of them. So basically, there's all these tendrils, feet, touching everything below. Okay. They pull back up. And these two giant lights come out of the main source, the stem of light. Oh, wow. Okay. So all these little feeler tentacles are outside. Yeah. And then they whatever they found whatever they were looking for, they pulled back up, and the two big ones come out. Okay. With lights on the end of them. It is just like War of the Worlds. Yeah, very, it's very similar. Uh, so what do you think uh, Paca did then? Al? Al. Oh, wait. No, Bill. Um, what did he do? I, I mean, I'm sure he still watched. It's really early morning. Uh, okay. Wait, he went he, back in his house and went to bed. Okay. No. Uh, he went back in his house and w- woke up his wife, Yeah, who was still asleep. And when he came back out, they were gone. By the time she was able to look out the window at the craft, she described seeing the lights, which remained, or which reminded her of traditional landing lights on a plane. Bill Packer then uh, went to his 10-year-old son's room, the window of which provided the view to the west of the house, where Packer says he was able to see two more similar craft in the distance. Also positioned directly above power lines, like the initial object had been. Hmm. Badly frightened, Packa and his wife reported er, reported they left their children. Or uh, badly frightened, Packa and his wife reportedly left their children and went to the home of a nearby friend named Gail, speeding directly, having uh, their pickup trucks lights off, for the fear that the objects would see them. So whatever they, they were scared that these things were going to find them. Right. Yeah. Very. Does it feel organic? Um, maybe. I don't know yet. All these tentacles are pointing to me. Yeah. Arriving at Gail's home, Gail came outside and was able to see in the distance these objects, which Packa identified as these large dome saucers that hovered above their home. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, Gail said, the ABC interviewers the following year. No question whatsoever. It was there. I thought. I thought it doesn't matter to me if anyone believes me or not. I know what I saw, and Bill and his wife saw it too. I mean, it was awful frightening. The National Enquirer, who at the time investigated UFOs fairly often, sent Bill uh, to look, or sent Bill Perrett to look into this case. But the story never made it into print. The Aerial Phenomena Research Organization also investigated the incident, of which they followed details, information about PACA's observation, the distance of these objects, of the power lanes were given appearing later in the written uh, by Bar- uh, Brad Sparks in the February issue, 1977, APOR Bulletin. Hmm. 
So it, he describes these, there's this whole big article. Basically, he describes them as floating normally, and then every once in a while, they'd have a bad jerky motion. Okay. All three of them would do this, and they were going down the power lines. Hmm. And as they moved away, they would be flying, like smoothly gliding, and then they would jerk really hard. Hmm. I wonder if they're using the power lines to like recharge or just maybe they're following the current. It's there's all kinds of there's it's there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. As to what they're using it for. Uh Dr. J. Allen Hynek even got involved with this one. Wait, wouldn't he just in a didn't we just do a story about him? We talked about him on Cribs and Coffee this morning. That's what it was, okay. Project Blue Book. Yeah, okay. So this is one of the least famous ones in Project Blue Book. Oh wow, okay. Hynek didn't have any good examples, any good write offs for this one. Hmm. So to me, and it could be that these were organic UFOs, this random jerky motion could be a little electrical impulses in their brain yeah. to get them back onto course. Could be. You ever seen the monkeys have the brain box on that controls them? I don't know if I've seen that. So in the 1990s. Okay, recently. They had boxes they'd put on monkeys' heads that would be, that literally had neuron like these little wires in their brains. And they could make the monkeys do whatever. hands do whatever they wanted. And the monkey would be panicked. You just see the monkey's face being freaked out. That's messed up. The monkey's up. playing like a Rubik's cube and stuff like that. And the monkey's like trying to get away from its own hands. That's messed up. Uh, but it would have the same jerky motion randomly. So yeah, what if it? Yeah, it could be just being these, controlled. These big tentacled beings. Yeah. That were it could be recharging. Could be recharging the devices on their head. Yeah. Because uh, you know this dome that sits on top that doesn't move with the rest of their body could be this device. It's controlling them. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever's... Yeah, exactly. It could be the super... The living brain, mushroom brain that's inside of it, controlling it. Mm-hmm. Man. I, yeah, I don't know what to think of this. I don't know. It's almost scary if you... if Let's just go explore. Like, this is real. This was maybe a creation by our defense military industrial complex. If that's real... I think this may be older... So it's an old I creature. I think the Nazis did it. Shoot, same difference at this point. Well, and then the Foo Fighters. Yeah, that the Foo may have been these creatures shooting out their lights. Mm-hmm. Man, the rabbit hole goes deep on this one. But you can't rule it out because look what they've already done. Oh, I don't. I don't even know what to think because it's kind of scary to think. Not scary. You shouldn't be scared of them. Oh, uh, if they have a big brain box on them. Yeah, I would be. The I normal mean, ones are just animals. Yeah, but I know. But we shouldn't live our lives in fear. There's no reason to be scared of nothing but I fear itself. I do think that like the 70s, they were trying to catch these things, more, at least more of them. Oh, is that why uh, Hitler built, or maybe even before that, Hitler built that giant uh, air howitzer? Remember that? Yeah. A giant air cannon? He also built a big net. He was trying to launch him out of the, or shoot him out shoot of the sky, the but yeah. keep him intact. Yeah. Wow. I think we're, I think we're unraveling this mystery. Hmm. Or unraveling something. I don't know if it's a mystery. Unraveling the mystery. So, I think the government has organic UFOs with brain boxes on their head. <laughs> I think they're ripping the eyes off a of mana strip. And controlling them. I think they're making Pac-Man cells that will kill us all. Shoot. Isn't this a scary episode? No. We don't need to live in fear. You just have faith that you're doing the right thing in life. I just life. hope the mushrooms aren't mad at us. I don't think they're mad at us. I think they're with the working class people. I don't think they are. I do. I think they're with the working class. They're on our side. And if they're not, it's all a manipulation. They're playing the game to get the uh, the corrupt and I evil think, elites running this world to get Terminators them on their side. I think the will be real. 
But oh. they'll be powered by mushrooms. 100% the Terminators will be real. mushrooms just want the Earth to go back to being normal. No, I think the mushrooms will destroy the Terminators. No, I think they will beat the same thing. They're going to be on our side. You'll see, like, it's going to be The Last of Us mixed with the Terminator movie. You, but it's just this big come on. honey mushroom sticking off the top of the head of the Terminator. Just imagine, you going outside talking to that mushroom, you don't think he's telling his friends, like, you know what? Apparently they don't have the memory. They're like, no, well, their memory's probably stored in a databank in and Oregon. All they a, remember is all the chemicals being thrown on them and the earth screaming in pain. But they know there's some good out there. Yeah, but I think they're just going to hit reset. You got to just reset for We'll try us. it again with capuchin monkeys. <laughs> Kombucha monkeys? Kombuchin monkeys. Oh, I don't know what that is. They're little black and white monkeys. Oh, okay. Kombucha. Lemurs. No, I, I like to say kombucha. Okay, kombucha monkeys. They're they're like all, they're fermenting, monkeys. yeah. Cabbage fermenting monkeys. Oh my gosh, I have been the great and powerful mystery, and I've been Jay. I don't. I was just. I don't remember who I was. Oh, I was Turtle Man Jay. What Turtle I? Man Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll catch you next week with more exciting stuff on Cruise the Corn Podcast. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Crips of the Corn podcast. Please share with a friend you think would like us. It's the best way to help our show grow. Leave a comment, rate us, a five-star review. And remember, there is always extra content on Patreon slash Crips of the Corn.com. And don't forget, stay magical.